0: Hello and welcome to The Happy Place. How are you, my friends, my listeners, my people? I miss, um, man, I'm missing human contact. Um, I got to see, I got to pick up some masks, um, homemade masks from one of our, like, best friends, and I got to see them on their driveway six feet apart, and all I wanted to do was just, like, jump and hug them, and I couldn't, and it's, uh, Any extrovert, I think even introverts are starting to feel it, like it's getting hard. Um, But stay in there. We're close. We're close. And it's at least wherever you live. Hopefully it's nice. It's nice here. It's nice weather. Um, We get to play and ride bikes, uh, throw the Frisbee around. And um, out of all of this, I hope that we can continue being together with our families, going at a slower pace, being a little bit more intentional about how we interact with each other, um that's, that's what I'm hoping comes out of this. So in this episode is uh, a conversation with my friend Elizabeth. And Elizabeth is a, a coach. She helps the, the theater group and she also does Enneagram coaching. And how um, if you're in theater and you're an actor or a musician or performer, how knowing your Enneagram number and knowing how you're wired can help you. And, um, she's actually just a fantastic person. We have so much in common in regards to, uh, chronic pain. And we talk about that a lot because we both have Crohn's disease and then we both have, um, chronic migraines and she's actually got even more stuff, but we really just kind of focus on those two. But Elizabeth is awesome. She's funny. She is incredibly smart. And even in this episode, she kind of flips the script and asks me questions, which of course I loved. And, um, so you're going to hear some, perspective from me and um, about my headaches and Crohn's disease and, and being in Enneagram 7. Um, but this episode's awesome. It's just a wonderful conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. All right, friend, how are you?
1: Hey there. How are you, Vince?
0: I'm good. I'm good. good. So uh, we have a lot to talk about.
1: We do. We and have, have a lot a, in common. We
0: have a, so much in common. And so we kind of, you knew Stephanie before you knew me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had actually, I was following your Twitter account that you have for Crohn's before I knew you <laughs> so, because we met at Susan Stabile's Enneagram, like her little convention. She had Yeah, here, the
1: path between us conference.
0: Yep. It was about a year ago. Mm-hmm. And, um, So you came over and and Stephanie knew who you were and we kind of formally met and then I don't know somehow through talking I was like oh my gosh I actually know who you are because of your funny Twitter account And, (laughs) and then yes we got to talk and we have a lot in common actually. Yeah. Like yeah. So where do you want to start?
1: Man well. Um I have a lot of um sides of me. So, you know, I've got the
0: <laughs> Tell tell me every side cuz I I'm going to hear it all. <laughs> every
1: side. Yep. Well, I mean, I have the the side that was before Crohn's disease, um the the side that had a lot of energy, overcommitting, you know, overdoing, um really into theater. My background's in theater. I have both my bachelors and masters in theater. Um I ran a theater company for 6 years here in St. Louis. Um and then I have the side of me that's like after got, getting diagnosed with Crohn's um, and having all of these chronic illness problems, chronic pain, pe- things people can't figure out, going to tons and tons of doctors, spending all of my money on medical care, which is really hard as a single person, which mm-hmm. is another side of me. I have been single for quite a while. Um, actually, this week was my 10-year anniversary of being single. Oh, wow. So um, Whoa talk about
0: 10 years of being single.
1: 10 years, have not been in a relationship for 10 years. Oh my
0: gosh. Wow.
1: Um, so I I mean that's, you know, <laughs> um partly me, partly everybody else.
2: <laughs> but right.
1: um I will say that um I was thinking of ha- scheduling a photo shoot for myself because most people do, you know, I've been seeing these like 10 year anniversary photos of people who've been getting married and stuff like that. And I was like, you know what? I want a 10-year anniversary photo shoot.
0: That's right. And
1: I am gonna do one. That's right. When when COVID's done, I'm going to have a kick-ass single photo shoot celebrating. Because you know what? I know it's hard work to be married. There's definitely work that is done being married. And and it's like a different hard than what being single is, which also requires a lot of work, especially when you're managing a chronic illness by yourself. And you don't have somebody who can go run and get a prescription for you because you just threw up in the Walgreens parking lot. Because that Mm -hmm. happened while one time with my chronic migraine tension headaches while I was dealing with, um, I was dealing with a, oh God, it was so bad. I was getting these migraines like two or three times a week that would last 12 to 14 hours, like super light sensitive. Couldn't. So I went to Walgreens to get some pain therapy, like some pain meds. And, um, I was so nauseous from an antibiotic that I was on because I had, um, a UTI that lasted a month because I'm on Humira where I can't fight infections. And so the first round of antibiotics didn't help. And so I had, I was on the second round of antibiotics, which is destroying my gut health. So I'm Uh nauseous, I'm in pain. I go to Walgreens. I, um, it took them forever to get me whatever I needed. I come out of Walgreens. I threw up in the Walgreens parking lot. Oh wait, no, I didn't throw up until after my car didn't start and my car was dead in the middle of December. Um,
0: <laughs> with a migraine With
1: a migraine and nausea And all I wanted to go home was eat chicken soup And go home
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: And so I even had like the can of chicken soup Like in my car Like yeah. ready yeah. ready to go And um, <laughs> I um, was like Well my car won't start So I might as well throw up So I got out of the car I threw up Then called AAA um, I did not let the AAA man know That he was standing in my puke um, While he was trying to fix my battery um. So we just let him off the hook there. We, we I didn't want to add any yeah. more trouble to his. Day. Right. But anyway, yeah. So like I just like you know I have that side of me. I have the chronic illness side of me, mm-hmm. and everything that I've done to try to help myself be healthy and well, because I realized prior to Crohn's that I actually wasn't living the most healthy and well life, whether that was mentally, emotionally, um, physically, you know, and while I don't necessarily blame myself for my illness, I do know that there are certain things I can do that increase my quality of life. So there's that side of me. Then, um, the Enneagram is another side of me. Mm I, um, I discovered the Enneagram, uh, First discovered it in 2010, um, but then forgot about it until 2017, when I read Jerry Scazzaro's book, The Emotionally Healthy Woman, and she has a chapter that talks about the Enneagram. And um, kind of mistyped myself for a little bit. And, what um, did you type
0: yourself as before?
1: I thought I was a three. I thought I was an achiever because I had been living in my doing center, just doing and accomplishing and doing all the things, but didn't realize that I was doing things, being successful in order to be wanted, Uh (laughs) which is the two, which is what I am. I'm a type two. Uh, I do have a three wing though. And um, so, um, you know, I have a corporate job side of myself. You know, I've got, I was um, in hospitality, worked in sales and events for hotels for six years. Um, I have the, um, I'm, I'm, was a meeting and event planner. I traveled a lot for work, which also triggered a lot of my Crohn's symptoms. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. and I have the side of me that is now I'm a recruiter for an IT, um, department at the same, um, same company that I was a meeting planner at. And, um, and so like, I don't know, I have just a lot of, um, corporate experience, but a lot of arts experience. And, um, in my graduate program, I ended up trying to combine some of that, um, some of my improv and my, um, leadership experience in theater and, t- and created my thesis, which was leading, uh, which was using the Enneagram as a tool for leadership in the arts, um, mm-hmm. helping directors communicate with the nine types of actors and, um, using a lot of practical exercises, using improv to help actors discover their type and, to build their confidence and their self-esteem and challenge them in areas that they can take a risk. You know, and how do you, as a leader, how do you create a safe space for people to grow and to take risks, you know, mm-hmm. to be vulnerable and authentic, like mm-hmm. in, in the arts, right. you definitely need that right. to create art. So I've got the artist side of me. I've got the single forever a bridesmaid, never a bride side of me. I uh, I was writing a one woman show for a while about the commercialization of the wedding industry. It's pretty sarcastic and also at the same time, very real about (laughs) my heart breaks. Yeah. So so I think there's part of me that's a realist. There's part of me that's a pessimist. There's part of me that there's an idealist. So
0: there's a lot of sides. Yeah. You know, you talked about Jerry's book, which is a great book. I love Jerry and Pete a lot, Um, Mm -hmm. but they, you know, they talk about um, like leading well in your marriage, but they, and, but they talk a lot about the singleness as well, mm. um you know that's something that for being a married couple as long as they've been married, they still talk about it a lot and I do think, and I'm guilty of this is once once you get married and then you have kids, you kind of forget about those people that are still living out of their singleness and trying to do it well and trying yeah. to do it um according to uh you know just whether it's biblical principles or just good morality, like yeah, it's kind of forgotten about, and you're right, like the I don't know the industries that are out there that are making a lot of money don't necessarily appeal to that, uh, group. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
1: At least, at least within the religious community, for sure. That's where I see a lot. Um, but yeah, I think in America in general, we kind of put marriage on a pedestal as kind of the ideal relationship. Mm -hmm. Um, I know we've made a lot of progress in the past, um, even the past 50 years on, you know, feminism and defining, you know, um, women apart from their partner. And, um, so I have been, um, you know, I mean, I haven't been intentionally single for 10 years. It's not, you know, I mean, there are people that they're like, no, like single life works better for me. Mm -hmm. Um, that was not my intention, but that's kind of the journey I found myself on. Um, I have a lot of interesting dating stories for sure. Um, so (laughs) I could talk about some of those, which you know is hard to navigate with a chronic illness. Um, because it's like, what do you put on your profile? Like, hi, I'm Elizabeth, I'm really cool, but also sometimes I throw up in the Walgreens parking lot. (laughs) Like
0: my my would be hi, I'm Vince, I'm really cool, but sometimes I poop my pants because I can't make (laughs) it to the bathroom.
1: Yeah. Um, well, for a little uh, while, because um, for a few years, I wasn't able to drink alcohol because it, it did. It was just like I would wake up in the middle of the night with intense abdominal spasms from mm, alcohol. Mm-hmm. And so even like a half a glass of red wine would just set me off. And so that was the major bummer. And so it's like really awkward to be like, hi, I'm going to go meet a stranger. But like I can't drink coffee, can't drink. Of caffeine and I can't drink alcohol because, you know, so it's like, how do you. Um, so at one point I put in my profile, I was like, hey, I'm Elizabeth. Um, I don't drink, or I don't drink because of health reasons, but I mentally drink more than you do winky face.
0: (laughs) What, what kind of reactions did those get?
1: Um, I I don't even remember. (laughs) I think some people were like, why don't you drink? But honestly, most of my experience with men in the St. Louis area, and I don't want to stereotype, but they don't read your bio. They just look at your picture. Um, so I got a lot of, um, you know, swipes or whatever, and then it's like, uh, or matches. And then, um, I ended up <clears throat> kind of taking the, taking the charge there. And, um, my friend and I, we were kind of, um, swiping buddies and we would compare matches and stuff like that. Sometimes we'd be matched with the same person and we'd be like, okay, do you want to take him or do you want yeah. I, you know, but we came up with this, like, choose your own adventure date. So on Bumble, the woman has to message first. And so I would, um, I had five dates that didn't include coffee or alcohol. (laughs) And I would be like, uh, choose your own date adventure, option one, two, three, or four or five. And that was like a great icebreaker opener because they would be like, oh, I love these ideas. I'm going to pick four, you know? And then I'm like, great, let's go do it because. I was in a phase where I was like, I'm so sick of having meaningless conversation with people for like two weeks and wasting all this time and energy and not actually Mm -hmm. getting to meet them. Um, She had more luck with it than I did. She went on a few of those dates. I don't think, I think people would tell me what their preference was and I'd be like, great, when are you free? And then they wouldn't respond. And I'm like, okay, but um, the the improv shop actually was always on my um, one of five lists, like my choice Mm -hmm. of five. And um, the improv shop, PSA for the improv shop in St. Louis, when um, quarantine is done, I mean, it is a great spot, not just for dates, but it is a great spot for dates because they have a bar that's open till 1am and they offer food. They have shows that are like $8 per show and you have bar service and food service. And yeah. I mean, the talent there is amazing. And it's such a good time. You get to, you know, you bring somebody with you, you talk a little bit before the show, you get to see their sense of humor, like Uh while you're sitting there laughing, you know, and kind of, you know, have something to talk about after the show. If you want to stick around, you can grab another drink. Like it's a really casual environment. And I feel so at home there and so confident there because I took classes there for months, Mm -hmm. went through their program. And so it makes me feel like I can be myself there um, where there are a lot of other places where I don't necessarily feel like I can be myself. So,
0: yeah how has everything been since now we're isolated and um both with we can talk about dating or we can talk about your you know the chronic pain we both share um mm-hmm. how's that been
1: yeah you know <laughs> as somebody who's been a, a chronic constant chronic overdoer of my life yeah. um which uh, matches up with my type on the Enneagram as someone who has a feeling and then does something about it and usually feels other people's feelings and then does something and about something it, about that. Yeah. whether or not that's actually mine to do. <laughs> so I yeah. overextended and exhausted myself doing things for people that weren't necessarily mine to do out of the, the guise of being helpful, but really most of it's probably because I wanted to be included and mm-hmm. wanted to be wanted. And, um, So I have a lot of FOMO um, when things are going on in the world and I'm sick in bed and can't do something and think that I'm going to get left out or my career is going to get left behind. But right now the world is living at my pace. The world Mm -hmm. has slowed down to a place where I don't feel odd. I, um, I'm really enjoying actually, you know, and, and, and this is a pro of being single in this time. Like I'm not trying to homeschool my kids. Like I have so many friends who are like so overwhelmed trying to work from home and homeschool their kids, you know, and
0: (laughs) you're one of them. Raise his hand. Yes. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And so that's something that I don't, I don't have to do right now. And so I'm getting to try new recipes on Pinterest or take a nap or read a book, or there have been a couple of days where I've just left my phone inside and gone outside to watch the sunset and mm. I just sit. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah. I've been for probably a year or so I've been getting more into mindfulness practices, um, because of the Enneagram actually, um, to try to be more aware of what I do, you know, what, does elizabeth do what does elizabeth feel what does she mm-hmm. think because i te- i tend to focus on what other people feel and think and forget about what i feel and think and so i was doing a a practice where it was like you know pretend your thoughts and feelings are clouds and they're floating by um you know name them but just let them float by don't jump on the cloud and ride it you know across the mm-hmm. sky um and the first time i did that i was like what's the difference between a feeling and a thought um, I realized that I had been living in so much, so many of my feelings and I had been disguising a lot of my thoughts as feelings.
0: Um, well, and you're thinking repressed anyway,
1: and that matches my Enneagram (laughs) type. It's so true. So when I teach the Enneagram, I define what a feeling is, what a thought is. Uh So like the example I use is, um, somebody comes home and they're like, I feel like John is cheating on me. Okay. So Let's say John's in the room. John, I feel like you're cheating on me. And he's like, well, I'm not. Well, then that's the end of the conversation. (laughs) It's like, um, okay, that was not a productive conversation. I'm sitting over here with all sorts of feelings that were not addressed. And John just didn't seem to care. But did I actually express a feeling in that sentence? No, I didn't. I um, could be feeling happy that he's cheating on me because I'm finally done with this relationship. I could be sad because I am Mm. sad if someone's cheating on me. I could be angry, right? And so what I should say is, John, I feel angry because I think that you're cheating on me. And thoughts can be proved or disproved. They can be challenged or verified, but feelings are just valid. So if I come to John and I'm like, John, I'm sad because I think you're cheating on me. We can look at the footage of, you know, the front door, you know, and, Ooh, and see if right. a woman came over or not, you know, or we can right. verify his receipts from the bar that he was at or whatever. But, um, so let's say he's not cheating on me. We still get to have a discussion then about my sadness or my anger or something, because I still am feeling those things, regardless of if the thought was proved or disproved. Yeah. And so I realized I've been going through life and I had this with one of my, my, my bosses, um, who is someone who asks a lot of questions, and I didn't realize why she asks a lot of questions before the enneagram. Um, and I said, so is she a six? It. She is. <laughs> she's a six, um, you know. And she's the type of person that can see holes and and and, and see. Right all the things that are missing and see what's going to go wrong. And so I was showing her a spreadsheet and she was just asking me all of these questions. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, you know, I said, I feel like you're interrogating me. She's like, I'm not interrogating you. Don't be Mm -hmm. silly.
0: Oh, but it feels like that though. Doesn't it? Especially the way they come across, it can really feel.
1: Right. So, I mean, I, I realized it would have been a much more productive conversation if I had said, Hey, I feel nervous or I feel afraid because I think you're interrogating me. Mm. Then she could say, well, I'm not interrogating you, but why are you feeling nervous? I'm just asking questions because I'm curious and I want to help you see that there's a hole in your spreadsheet. Yep. Totally right. different conversation there, yeah. you know? Right. So right. Um, so I went down that rabbit hole discovering feelings versus thoughts that they're different and then doing some mindfulness activities to, and mindfulness is really just being aware of the present and not mm-hmm. giving weight to, not giving too much weight to any one thing. So it's recognizing your feelings. They're valid. They're there. They're a part of the equation. It's recognizing your thoughts. Again, they're there. They they don't own all the space, but they aren't eliminated either. You know, right. looking at what sensations your five senses, what are you feeling, tasting, um, smelling, you know, all of those, those things. Um, and doing those types of activities, including meditation. I use an app called Live From Rest.
0: Yeah. Um, you and told me about is, that. I love it
1: gosh do you love it?
0: Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I love it. It's 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 a spiritual meditation app. Um, but it's really helped me in my learning how to slow down and breathe when I'm feeling anxious. Um, it has scriptural thing, you know, passages to meditate on, which helps me fall asleep, honestly, when I'm anxious in the middle of the night. Um, but there are some that are just like noticing thoughts or learning how to breathe and minimal guidance meditations and just learning how to be present, um, in the moment and not give way to any, not be succumbed or overcome by any one emotion or feeling. And that's been really helpful for me with pain because sometimes I'll wake up and it is a migraine day and it just is. And that's how the day is going to be. And Mm -hmm. it's really overwhelming. (laughs) To know my whole day is going to be sitting in a dark room with trash bags over my windows. Yeah, right. You know, but um, being able to, I think uh, one of my most recent ones, I was sending a video message to a friend who I was like crying, but I was like, I'm being present to my pain. I'm giving it space to exist, but it's not the only thing that exists mm. in the moment. And I could not have done that. It was really hard work, <laughs> like really
0: yeah, hard. I'm just thinking about that. Like when I wake up with a migraine, I don't know if I even have the capacity to do that. Yeah, That's hard. Yeah. It's really hard. Wow.
1: It's not something that I had the capacity to do a year ago. Yeah. Um, I think it grows, mm-hmm. you know, um, learning how to breathe through. There's another app called um curable. And there's a bunch of um it's actually HSA approved. Um it's $70 for a year subscription and they have meditations, but they also have little educational things about how mm-hmm. pain works in the brain. And um and how our brain is our pain management center. And so if you were to sprain your ankle, you feel that pain. But if then a lion walks in the room, you suddenly can run away without feeling pain in your ankle yeah. because your adrenaline's adrenaline spiking and your brain is like, this is the thing we need to pay attention to get the hell away from yeah. the lion. Right. You know? And so then when you're in a safe place, then your body can then feel the pain again. And there are times where our brain is telling us to feel pain, to pay attention to something that doesn't like we already know about, or, Or it's a residual because I had a really stressful job where I traveled for a year and a half and it destroyed my body. Mm. And I wasn't, I didn't feel the effects of that until I was almost done with that job and I moved on to a new job. And then it was like, now you can feel the pain from that job. And so that's a lot of what I'm dealing with is stuff that is residual from not being like my body literally trying to survive.
2: Yeah. Right.
1: So. What's been your experience with um, with dealing with pain? Like, how do you get through a migraine day or get through a Crohn's flare?
0: Oh gosh. Well, let's. I'll go with migraines because I have that worse uh-huh. than Crohn's. Um, so, I, I started getting migraines really bad. It was probably Sydney was probably just born, so this is like nine and a half years ago. So I was twenty five, twenty six mm-hmm. is when I started getting them, um, and there for a while. Especially in like February and March, I'll get them about three or four times a week um Gosh. and and there are definitely times where it's like i I'll wake up around like five and I know like my I can feel my pulse in my head, and mm-hmm. um it's like you're nauseous i I sweat a lot mm-hmm. um so I, I can you know I can tell and then if I look in the mirror like I'm very pale, my eyes are puffy mm-hmm. um and usually throwing up helps take it mm-hmm. from like a level 10 to like a level 7.
1: It does. It does yeah. help.
0: Um I know I've Stephanie helped me find certain pressure points. So like the one um my migraines always happen on my left side, so the thumb in between mm-hmm. your thumb and your um index finger and pushing there. And then what I do is I breathe and I just pretend like as I'm pushing on that spot I'm visualizing the migraine leaving my body to yes. that spot. Yeah. Um and then there's some spots on your foot and um about three fingers length above your ankle Mm. and so again this is where I'm very lucky where I have my spouse who can do that like I can lay down and I'm not like trying to reach over and grab my own ankle right Um, but that helps and it's amazing even no matter where I am on this migraine headache spectrum um like a level one migraine still like a level 10 normal headache Right, right right so man, like it's so tender when she pushes on those spots. Mm -hmm. And, um, so that helps. And then hot showers. Like I'll just go sit in the shower for 30 minutes Mm -hmm. and, um, and then go sleep. And it Mm -hmm. sucks because that whole, that whole regimen could go from five in the morning Mm -hmm. until about one or two in the afternoon. Mm -hmm. And then maybe it's where I can function and I can do some work but then it's always the last 24 hours afterwards. It's like a, it's, it is like a terrible hangover.
2: Yeah. My
0: whole body hurts. I'm dehydrated. I don't feel well. Um, I'm sensitive to light and sound. Yeah. And, uh, so I had a migraine, a really bad migraine, like two weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And I think it was barometer. It was when it snowed Mm -hmm. again,
2: Mm -hmm.
0: right. We had really nice weather and then it snowed and, and that's that trigger that weather change will really trigger it. And then, I have food allergies, so gluten yep, um, my gluten, if I have a even like a couple bites of something with heavy gluten like bread, I mean it's a headache within thirty minutes. Wow, so um yeah, luckily, my Crohn's I got diagnosed with that one in two thousand and four,
2: mm-hmm. and I was
0: told, you need to be gluten free and I got this long list of things I couldn't eat, and yeah. I was like, nobody knows what gluten free is. this is two thousand <laughs> yeah. uh, and four uh, and it wasn't until I was probably twenty five and Stephanie was like. I think you should start laying off gluten um, mm. but my Crohn's has flared up recently because I'm under a, an immense amount of stress mm-hmm. and uh, and then I'm working from home a lot more now. I'm just chugging coffee and normally I, I drink a lot of coffee but not as much as I was and I think that mm-hmm. contributed to my Crohn's pain. I told you on the phone the other day, had we not been going through this pandemic, I would have went to the hospital yeah. but I felt... Nervous to go, and plus yeah. there are people who need to be there more than me, and I'll just suffer here at home. Yeah, but
1: yeah, man. Hard. So like, as a seven, because you're an Enneagram seven. <laughs> yeah, let's
0: talk you about know, that. That's with awesome. chronic
1: pain, you know, I mean, like every I, I, I haven't, I haven't figured it out yet. I have theories on how each. You know, type yeah, might deal with yeah. with chronic pain and illness and stuff like that, right? Um, but as a seven, your your core fear is of being deprived and of in pain. <laughs> right. That's literally your fear, and and, it, and I've heard that it has to a part of it is is like how long will this last?
0: Yeah. Like you don't oh, yeah. know
1: how long the pain's gonna last, and and if you'll be able, able to ever get your needs met again, you know. So 100%. talk a little bit about. You know, how do you, as a seven, get through Uh that? What helps you?
0: Yeah, I. I, that's a great question. Um, Because, of course, in seven nature, I don't think about it. I don't want to think about Mm -hmm. that. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's definitely times if if after like seven hours, if that headache has not gone away, I start going into like kind of a panic mode of like, this is now my new life and I will Mm -hmm. never be normal again. And it Mm -hmm. sounds so irrational. But in those moments, I'm like, this is my life. And I'm going to be stuck in this hellhole of migraines forever. Um, and then as a, even like as a parent, like I can't go do whatever I want with my kids because I have a migraine.
2: Yeah.
0: I can't even go out and hang out with Stephanie because I have a migraine. And it's really hard. I think it's really hard with people with chronic pain to relate to people who don't have chronic pain
2: mm-hmm.
0: because it's like, no, you don't understand. Like I'm, these migraines are like literally like, debilitating. It's not just a headache. I think right. the conception is like, ah, oh, you just have a headache. You'll be fine. Go take some ibuprofen, yeah. which I can't take ibuprofen anymore. I don't know if you know that story, but, uh,
1: well, I can't take ibuprofen because of Crohn's. I mean, it causes stomach bleeding, but is that what happened well, to you?
0: Um, I ended up, I'm allergic to NSAIDs. So it's oh, non-steroidal, yeah. anti-inflammatory drugs. So what happened last year, it was last week of March. I was in Florida and I took some a leave long story short unless you want me to go into the story ended up in the hospital coming oh, okay. back in St. Louis and I got diagnosed with Steven Johnson's disorder okay. which okay. is a, another autoimmune disease where your body reacts negatively to a, a drug and then once the drug leaves its system your system your body still thinks it's in there so it just keeps attacking and uh so my mouth was all swollen and it looked like I had thrush in my mouth I had blisters it looked like I had been burned in certain places um so that that was a month of recovery Mm -hmm. where again it's like shit this is my life now and it's terrible because I can't eat it hurts I can't walk hurt to put clothes on um so yes as this Enneagram 7 that uh, feeling deprived. And then like, I'm missing out on things. Yeah. Hits hard when I'm having a, an episode and then it's, well, now I can't work. And because I'm self-employed, if I don't work, then I don't make money. And then I won't be able to do the fun things that, you know, and like I spiral. Right. It's just a
1: spiral. It's,
0: mm-hmm. And it's happened so fast. And when you're spiraling with a migraine, this is usually at the point I'm in the shower. And then it's like, God, please. Like, I'm just, I'd rather die than, mm-hmm living this life i hate it and it's irrational but that's that's what happens in those moments yeah
1: so yeah. so um so if you were to be talking to a a Vince from 10 years ago you know who hasn't who hasn't been through this as much stuff who might be a little more scared of some of the pain you know and the anticipation of some of that mm-hmm. um it, what would you tell a seven a younger seven a version of yourself maybe um here are the the good thing. I mean, we're on a podcast called The Happy Place, right? So here are the good things that actually come from walking through some of that pain, from learning how to deal with the pain and learning that it doesn't last forever. It might come back, but it's not forever. It's not always there. You know, any any of the things, because you've learned a lot by having like your body literally makes you go through pain. So right, right. you have learned some things like what, what's something maybe that you've learned yeah. that would be helpful for other people to know. That's
0: a really good question. Um, one of my, I, a guy that I consider a mentor and, and big brother, Scott Highmark, one time told me when I was having a really bad, I mean, we're talking like panic attacks mm-hmm. said this too shall pass. Mm. And, it, and, and, you know, it's, again, it's one of those simple things, but that's what I would tell myself, you know, 10 years ago. Um, So 10 years ago, we would, Stephanie would have been pregnant with Sydney, we're preparing for our first child, and we just had come off of two miscarriages. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: And I would just say like, yes, pain, pain is going to happen, right? And as much as I want to run from pain, you can't outrun it. So stand there and let it happen, because it will then be a fleeting moment in time. Mm -hmm. And 10 years later, you'll look back and be like, oh, I remember when I had a migraine for three days, but that was just three days out of 360, whatever, five days a year. Right. Um, Right. I'm literally losing my mind. Do we have 360 days a year? 365. There you go. See, I'm (laughs) working too much. (laughs) Um, So 365 days, those three days won't really matter in the long run. And so let the pain come to you, Mm -hmm. work through it, and you're better on the other side of it. I think that's what I would say to whether it's my 10 year old self or 10 years ago or someone who's just now experiencing pain of going, Oh man, this is hard. And I don't know what to do. Um, What about you? What would you tell yourself 10 years ago of, because you have migraines, you have Crohn's, Mm -hmm. you have other things that we haven't even talked about yet. Yeah. What would you tell yourself?
1: Yeah. (laughs) Solitude is not the worst thing in the world. Mm -hmm. Um, I've spent a lot of time alone. Um, you know, either because my roommate, when I was gone for a week or whatever, you know, and I'm stuck in bed by myself, you know, kind of a thing, or, um, I think God has taught me a lot through being through, through solitude and stillness. And it was not a lesson that I wanted to learn. Um, there was a time that I got in a fight with God and I just was so mad because I had to be alone and I just cried and cried until I couldn't cry anymore. And then, and then I just sat in the bathroom just sat and the whole apartment was dark and I just sat (laughs) and it was so quiet and I kind of felt like I was at a stalemate with God, (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and that, that seems like a turning point for me where it was like, actually I can be physically alone. I don't need to be around people all the time. Um, I think there was a fear of me being alone with my own thoughts because I didn't, you know, as someone who needs to verbally process my thoughts. I have no
0: one to verbally process to. I
1: have no one to verbally process to. And so I feel so dependent on other people to help me process my thoughts. And I don't want to feel like a burden. So I make sure I have a lot of friends out there. So that way I don't like overwork, you know, one friend. One (laughs) friend. Yeah, Yeah,
2: no. (laughs) So,
1: you know, so that's a thing. But I have learned you know the, actually t- the benefits of of solitude there are times where i crave solitude now and i would not have believed you 10 min- 10 years ago if if i would say like actually solitude's not the worst thing in the world and you will come to actually appreciate it mm. and and i realized as someone who feels other people's feelings and is thinking repressed it takes me some time away from other people where I'm allowed to feel my own feelings and think my own thoughts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then I need to go verbally process that with five people later <laughs> to yeah. understand what I actually think. But, um, you know, similar to, you know, how nines merge with other right. people's agendas and yeah. other people's thoughts and yeah. desires and everything like that. It, it sometimes can feel similar to that where I'm in an office You know, I I would be in my boss's office just wanting to please her so much. And so I'm just like agreeing with her, saying whatever she wants, you know, just being that total yes person, which as a six, she did not buy. Um, She was like, I don't trust this. She literally told me, she literally, she's like, you agree with me too much. And I was like, what do you want from me? Right. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, okay, I need to look for, for for her to be happy with me. I need to look for ways to disagree with her.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> it's funny.
1: So I mean, oh my gosh. But that's that's a whole nother thing. But um, but anyway, I have learned to appreciate time alone to think my own thoughts and figure out what do I think about this situation that I was just in where I might have been feeling their feelings and not my own feelings. Mm-hmm. You know, I might have been mm-hmm. empathizing with them because when I empathize with people, I can see their side very clearly.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and then I come away from it and I'm like oh, but I don't actually agree with what they said. I can still see their side, but that's not my point of view. You know, like, so solitude. Is that hard
0: for you to to be able to disagree and not want to agree just so that you get get approval or acceptance? Is that hard?
1: It depends on the situation and with the person. Okay. If they're...
0: well, let's put it this way. Let's go a step deeper then. Mm-hmm. Um, it's someone you're dependent on, right? Because you're in a dependent stance. So you will naturally have people that you kind of look to. Mm-hmm. So then if you have to d- disagree with that person, is that hard?
1: It depends on if I'm disagreeing. Like, okay. So if it's an intellectual concept, um, there are times where, so I'll disagree with somebody theologically, you know, or, or I'll disagree with um, someone ethically or something like that. And and this is a a debate type of scenario. I usually have a feeling that what they're saying doesn't sit well with me, but I can't Mm -hmm. articulate why. And so I have to go away and process that before I can come with logical, rational thoughts. My thoughts come later after the feeling. And so if I'm, talking to somebody who's thinking dominant or or, or le- not thinking repressed and they're able to just like list out their argument I'm like, oh, like I feel yeah. angry or I feel afraid because I'm like I can't articulate why I think you're wrong. <laughs> right. I, I know that I disagree with this but I can't tell you why yet
2: right. but I just right.
1: I just need a couple days and a few friends <laughs> to help me figure out <laughs> yeah. what
2: I think <laughs> right.
1: you know so I have to I have to be mindful of that when I go into, there are certain people that I know that I'm going to go into it and I'm going to hear their perspective. And I try to ask questions and understand their perspective, but I'm not going to try to present my own opinion there, which actually is called active listening. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's, it's a good thing for, it's a good practice for me. Um, it is hard when there are people in my life, like, um, my mom or a therapist or a mentor or something like that, where I tend to agree with almost everything they say, you know, we have a very similar worldview or whatever. And then there comes something where I'm like, Oh, I, I don't agree with that, but, but they, they usually never lead me astray, you know? And so that also takes me some time to, to process and, and things like that. And I, um, I need some time to really work through what do I think? What do I feel? Mm -hmm. Um, I've been working on the red flag feeling of um, this feels like I'm doing something because I should, or because I'm obligated to versus because I want to do this. Mm, Um, That's that's also been a red flag for me because I've spent so much of my life doing things because it's, something I should do Mm -hmm. I grew up in a pretty one dominated environment type one environment um, you know in a pretty conservative Christian school and and things like that and other people influences in my life um and so I wasn't a one but as someone who wanted to please the ones I had a lot of one behavior very um dogmatic um Mm -hmm. dualistic you know black or white it's this or that there's no gray area in between you know So, um, realizing that there's more than just one option and that sometimes when I'm trapped into thinking like either this person's right or I'm right, well, maybe there's a third option. Maybe there's a way we're both right. Maybe there's a way we're both wrong. Like, you know, like, and, and, and and trying to explore that, that takes some work for me,
2: um,
1: Because i'm a feeler and I want to do and so as soon as I feel something then I want to do something about it and suzanne stabile talks about Opinions are underdeveloped thinking.
2: Yeah, yeah
1: (laughs) And I have a lot of opinions and they're usually rooted in some sort of intuition that i've had You know, like I could probably go through The nine types and be like here's how each type handles chronic illness and it's like not factually based yet, you know, (laughs) but I have like an intuition gut feeling. Um, but it's, it's, it's based off of feeling and, and, um, biases probably of people that I've been around. So Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I don't know. Um, yeah, so it is hard for me to disagree with people. Um, the biggest, the biggest thing, it's easier to disagree with somebody if my life is not dependent on their life. It's like, okay, well, this is how you want to make that choice about your life. Then. Okay. Okay. I can see that, good for you. You know, I'm going to make my choice over here. But if someone, like, for example, in a 360 review process um, in work where you have 10, anonymous peers and managers give you feedback and you get a 42 page report it is terrible um (laughs) it's terrible i took my 42 page document to my therapist and i was like what do i do with this i don't yeah right i don't even know like because as an all or nothing person Mm -hmm. i want to either throw the whole thing out or take all of it Mm -hmm. in but i can't there's a gray area there i have to sift through but um you know, people telling me, well, this is how Elizabeth should be. This is how you should react. This is how you should be. You know, um, someone rated me, um, one out of five on resilience. (laughs) I was so pissed. I didn't know whether to laugh or to cry because I was like, excuse me. I was suicidal this year. I almost killed myself. So, um, sorry, that should have been a trigger warning, but like I was, I was suicidal and I called a suicide hotline and one of my friends oh, came over man. and like helped me like not do anything. Like it was a really, really bad time. Cause I was in so much physical pain. Mm. I was in so much physical pain and I just wanted the pain to stop yeah. and I'm still coming to work and I'm still doing my job and my job did not falter. I beat deadlines. I got everything done. And you're telling me that I am not, not a resilient resi- person.
0: Oh. Yeah, I would have lost it.
1: Oh, so mad. So I got a tattoo. You can see it here. I know listeners can't see it, but I have a tattoo that says resilient. Good
0: for
2: you. Good <laughs> because for you.
1: Because you know, I was actually in a in a mental health forum at work. We were talking about mental health in the workplace, and a lot of people just were there to to learn about mental health mm-hmm. and and what what is depression, what is anxiety, like what are those things. And there's actually a clinical like I I was leading the discussion, so I led with um scientific videos on what happens with your serotonin and your dopamine, and like how some people have you know, shortages of certain chemicals in their brain. It's a chemical thing in your brain. Um, It's not just somebody feeling sad or worried, Mm -hmm. you know, like, um, and so anyway, um, one of the managers asked, I I mean, I know we should be accommodating to people, but what if like, you know, work still has to get done? Like, don't we want people who can do the work? And this guy um, stood up and said, because his, um, his partner has diabetes and, and he's helped her through a lot of scary, um, illness, you know, Mm -hmm. things. And, um, he was like, you know, people who struggle with chronic illness and chronic pain are, yes, they go through some really hard times and really dark trenches and, and places that maybe not everyone has to go through, but if we can be patient with them, if with them, if we can support them in their time that they're waiting through the darkness they are going to come out on top. They're going to come out on the other side, on top of the mountain, and they're going to be shining resiliently yeah. is what the world word he used. And he said, and those are the type of people that we should want in our organization. We want those people dealing with our customers, providing the best customer service. We want those people coming up with creative ideas because when the company faces obstacles, they're not going to give up because they know what it's like know to what persevere. It's like. That's right.
0: That is exactly right.
1: And I was so grateful for him because he said that, and I had been feeling like I did not offer anything to the company at the time. I was feeling very depressed. I was feeling very suicidal. I had just suicidal ideations all over the place. And it was just like, I'm not giving any value. And that's, you know, the shame triad, the twos, threes, and fours really struggle a lot with shame around their identity. I mean, every type deals with some sort of shame in in some way at, at some point in their life, but for me, it was so real of like, I'm not, I'm not helping anybody. I'm not adding any value. So why am I even here? And he was like, no, actually you're worth being here. And you actually add value just by existing because you are persevering. You're doing the work to be alive. And that is so valuable. Mm -hmm. If not also helping a company, like, you know, but like just valuable in life in general and, and that was the inspiration for my tattoo. And then it was funny that um, that somebody rated me zero or one on resilience. And the, and the thing was, I was like, you know what? Though that shows you that you didn't even see the pain that I was going through. That I did such a damn good job <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
1: of doing my job and showing up every day. And you had no clue the demons that I was dealing with. Mm, yeah. Um. So actually, that like I don't know. It just and that was something my therapist was like. Okay, this is a comment that we. We filter out because this is not helpful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, yeah. So I mean, it's the Enneagram has been really helpful in observing myself, observing patterns, especially when with chronic illness, you cannot control it. And all I can do is to control my responses.
2: Yeah. To that's true. What
1: I'm what I'm dealing with. And right. like my therapist said, she was like, your body betrays you almost daily. And I think, you know, right now in coronavirus times, people are dealing with a lot of things they can't control and it's scary. And Suzanne Stabil did a whole thing on, you know, what happens when each Enneagram type feels out of control and they feel like they, they go to their stress number and what does that look like? Um, and I think it's really helpful to learn what do I, what are the patterns that I do when I'm stressed? What happens when I'm living on autopilot because pain is taking over my life, you know? Mm. And being aware of those things has helped me not be in, um, in bondage to those, you know, I don't have to believe the lies that it's always going to be like this because I, I know it's not always going to be like this, that there is going to be a day that it's sunny and I'm going to be able to sit outside without a headache and enjoy the light, you know, like there Mm -hmm. is, there is going to be a day, you know, and that's even biblical, biblically, there's a verse that says like, I think he's talking to the exiles in um, um, in Babylon, like there will be a day that you're dancing again in the streets, like with your tambourines, like, you know, there will be a day that you're celebrating again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the long-term perspective that really helps me. Um, and thinking about just even everyday little things, like there will be a day like for you that I'll get to go play outside with my kids, right. you know, there will be. And and for me, my spirituality my religion and my relationship with God, um, you know, even beyond this, this human life, you know, that, that gives me a more perspective and, and hope for the future of there will be a day when I don't have, when this pain is gone and I don't mm. have to deal with it anymore.
2: Yeah. And
1: that's, um, that's really hopeful for me, um, personally and realizing the things that I've learned, like with, this quarantine with going through coronavirus i have not been as anxious as i have been in the past like my bouts of depression and anxiety i have had way worse than i've had right now and i think that that's because i've been doing a lot of the co- the work on how to cope and how to deal and how to move forward yeah. and how to not give up and ho- what are triggers that set you off let's let's create a plan for you you know you know that you this is a need for you twos don't know what they need so i've worked on what do i need i need people to check in on me. I need to ask someone, Hey, mm-hmm. will you check in with me once a week to make sure I'm doing okay? And that's really hard for me to ask because they might say no. And then that leads to a shame it's spiral, another whole thing. <laughs> right. but being able to ask, you know, like I asked Justine Folk or I know you, you just had her on the uh, podcast and we're really good friends and um, I was overcommitting committing again. I was doing too many things and it was making me sick. And I said, Justine, I need you to check in with me for Lent for the season of Lent before coronavirus, <laughs> before everything got canceled. Yeah. I was like, can you check in with me once a week and ask me, have you taken on any new commitments and are there any commitments that you are not wanting to do? Like, is there oh, anything on good. your schedule that you don't want to do? Mm-hmm. And just by those two questions that keeps me accountable to my own self by, making sure that the things I'm doing are things that I actually am intentionally doing and not just reactively doing.
2: Yeah,
0: that's good. I think, um, you know, at this time we're in now, and I know it dates the podcast, but whatever, but we need people that like you who a, you're doing the work, you've done the work, but B you've gone through and going through chronic pain. So now, like you said, now you have the tools to help people where this is their first time going, Oh man, I'm, I'm at home. And I'm scared and I'm nervous and I feel like I'm spiraling. What, where do I even begin? I had a conversation with that somebody else recently. And it's like, like you said, like, all right, well, here's a plan. Here's a framework that we can use to at least help you get through the next 30 days. Right. And, and give yourself grace because it's not going to always go according to this plan. And there's going to be really good days and really bad days. And that's okay.
1: It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Justine told me one time, she was like, maybe today you just let yourself be sick
0: Mm -hmm. Mm.
1: and just giving myself permission. You know, Brene Brown talks all the time about giving permission to yourself, giving myself permission to be sick. um, sometimes is a, is, does a lot. Um, it takes the pressure off and, you know, back to the pain and management in the brain, you know, the more that we are afraid of our pain. And the more that we get anxious about our pain and we're like, even literally being like, oh my gosh, I'm in so much pain, I'm in pain, pain, pain. The word pain, our brain reacts to that and it intensifies the pain. Mm -hmm. And so by doing like the visualization that you were talking about, about like visualizing the pain leaving your body and um, not letting it have more than it needs, like, okay, there's pain, but I'm not gonna let you take up all the space right now. You know keeping it in perspective, it actually reduces the pain reactors in your body. Mm -hmm. Um, and so like the science of pain is really interesting. Like that's something like, um, with Crohn's, my immune cells and yours too um, attack our gut, you know, um, but there are times our pain cells have been rewired to trigger even when there's no logical reason for them to be going off, you know? And so those are the times where it's like just talking to your body and be like, okay, like, thank you for the alert. There's nothing wrong. You don't have to feel like you're in pain. And it sounds silly to talk to your body like that. But for me, it has helped a little bit. Um, And also giving myself the permission. Okay, you have permission to be sick today. Um, And knowing that it's not always going to be like that.
0: Yeah, that's good. It's true. I I have to do, I do it just in a different way. Mm -hmm. Um, but I am, as you were saying, giving yourself permission and and feeling those things as an Enneagram seven and the way I am, Mm -hmm. I don't like to feel anything that's less than a a 50%, you know? Um, I think most people's 50% is like my 10%, right? Yeah. So, um, so something like Stephanie's helped me with a lot is, you know, um, I'm a thinker and I'm feeling repressed. So it's, what are you feeling? And, and I've said this a lot. Now we get out the feelings wheel. Yes. And we name those feelings. feelings right. And then yeah. it, it, it goes to like, I think it's like 32 to 16 to eight to four. Right. And there's really only like four, maybe five, I don't know. Um, five core feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so for for me, people who are wired this way to give yourself permission to feel those feelings Mm -hmm. is incredibly important. I realized uh, the way I grew up was I was told, and I think it it was probably in the best of intentions, hey, don't feel that way. We need you happy, right? Because I was like Mm -hmm. the happy guy. And now I have a freaking podcast called the happy place. Like I, I got <laughs> a pigeon pigeonhole myself again, but it was, we need you happy and don't be mad. Don't feel that way. Um, now as an adult, I have a problem when I'm frustrated, feeling like I can vent that frustration because I have this subconscious thought of like, Hey, just be happy. Just let it roll off your back. Um, so dealing dealing with quarantine where I'm stuck and I miss seeing my friends and wow. I didn't realize how much I missed like you know, touching and not like in a weird way, but like, I miss hugging my friends or giving yeah. somebody a high five.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, and then like, I, you know, I can't, I was at target yesterday and I was just no two days ago. I was just so mad because this is not normal.
2: Mm-hmm. And I was
0: uncomfortable mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and then my stomach was hurting even more, you know, and it's like, I, it just wasn't good. <laughs> it wasn't good for me. And I have to remember to feel those and be okay. And then no, this will get better. And next hour is a new hour and the next day is a new day. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. And doing things just one day at a time. Like you mentioned like getting that list of all the things that you shouldn't be eating or whatever, right? So I'm gluten-free as well, but I didn't decide to become (laughs) (laughs) gluten-free. I never made that decision. I made a decision one day because I did try at one point when I was diagnosed with Crohn's and I was so overwhelmed and I just wanted to do the things and I bought all the the shitty gluten-free products that I didn't know the brands to buy. And I just cried in the kitchen because I was like, I can't eat food. And I was so sad. Um, And so um, it wasn't until a year later, because I cut out dairy um, because that was definitely something that just caused immediate pain for me. And then, um, and eventually the pain wasn't worth was not worth the Qdoba queso you know um
0: <laughs> you too the Qdoba queso is it's like a little yeah, mexican I, ninja running in your stomach chopping up oh my it up.
1: gosh it just sit there just makes me uh-huh. so nauseous but um then i decided one day i was like you know what i don't feel like feeling shitty today i just don't feel like it um so i'm not going to eat gluten today just today maybe mm-hmm. i'll eat it tomorrow there's a cake in the fridge maybe i'll eat it tomorrow just knowing that maybe i could have it tomorrow that I had the autonomy to, to do that to myself. Sure. If I wanted, yeah. if I yeah. wanted to deal with the pain then I could. Um, and I would give myself permission to do that. But then the next day I was like, you know, I don't really feel like feeling, being in pain today. So I just didn't. And so the next day, and it went on like that every day, I made the decision just for that day that I didn't want to eat gluten because I was feeling good and I didn't want to jeopardize that. Mm-hmm. And six months later I realized, I think I'm gluten free. Because by that point in time, I had let myself experiment with new gluten free products, like maybe buy one new thing a week, you know, at the grocery store and try out something. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't dependent on it. You know, I wasn't trying to upheave my whole life in one thing. So any of my friends who get diagnosed with celiac disease and they're like, oh, my gosh, like I can't eat gluten. You know, I'm like one day at a time. Just don't eat gluten today. Just for today. And then maybe if you want to feel like shit tomorrow, you can that's your decision, but just for today. And then I give them a list of all the brands that I love <laughs> that are really good.
2: Uh-huh.
1: Um, but that one day at a time, just do today, um, carries over that thought carries over to so many other things that we do that are hard.
0: Yeah. Um, sure.
1: you know, quarantine just do today. The
0: one day. Yeah. You oh, know? 100%. I just have to focus on today. Right. and, and, you said that goes through all walks of life that really that's such a biblical mindset right Mm -hmm. jesus talks about like today yeah like thank you know lord's prayers for this daily bread yeah and don't worry about tomorrow today yeah um yeah there's a lot of mindfulness there's a lot of knowledge and wisdom in just let's focus on today right right here
2: right
0: you know um and for a guy like me that's really hard i i'm already thinking about fall in the
1: future Yeah, yeah you're in the future.
2: Yeah. And,
0: and so, cause today's fucking sucks half the time, <laughs>
2: yeah. you
0: know? And, yeah. and so my mind easily goes to the future and I'm, mm-hmm. I've, I've done the work to be like, no, I need to, I need to come back, come, mm-hmm. come here. So.
1: Mm-hmm. And are you um, able to find like the little good things about today?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, um, I started writing like journaling, Uh And that when I, when I do it, it helps a lot, especially when I can go back now three months and be like, Oh, I remember I had that thought and that thoughts, you know, better, or I'm still struggling with that certain thought. Um, or you, I write down like things we're praying for, and then I'm starting to see those things happen, you know? Um, so that helps, that helps a lot being a, a father and realizing like my daughter's nine and a half. So I have essentially nine summers left with her. Mm. And and that first nine years went by so fast Mm -hmm. that I would only imagine the next nine are gonna be even faster. So when I realized that, like nine summers, that's nine, you know, this Christmas will be eight Christmases left. That made me slow down and go, okay, I gotta, I have to be here. Mm
2: -hmm. Because next
0: thing I know, she's gonna be 18 and she is like me where she's gonna travel and be gone and (laughs) you know it'll be like yeah i'll text you when i when i can dad and no it won't be that bad but it's like she has that adventurous heart yeah and and so um that helps that helps a lot also i believe god does this on purpose um our son is you know you're not supposed to type your kids Mm
2: -hmm. right
1: yeah but you can have guesses you can have have strong strong guesses
0: um we just look at the the stances right Your dependent or uh aggressive stance and all that. Right. Right. Are, so based
1: off of what they're feeling or thinking or yes. doing or repressed.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So pretty sure Abe's a nine. And, okay. um, I think it means God, that he, he would
1: be doing repressed.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, okay. but he, it's that slow mentality.
1: Mm. It's,
0: um, he's, and I think one, I think God did that intentionally for, for me, I truly believe that. And I think a seven's best friend should be a nine because it yeah. teaches them to like, go slow. And yeah. think through everything. Oh my gosh, um,
1: nines are so good at thinking yeah, through everything. Everything,
0: and so and Abe is like his goal in life is to be a master Lego builder. So <laughs>
2: and, yes,
0: and and he's got this great fine motor skills, and his brain thinks like, oh, I could put this piece here, and you know it doesn't need the instructions; he just knows how to do it. And I hate Legos with a passion because it slows me down. Mm. So getting to your original question, I get to spend time with him doing something I don't like at all, but I know he loves it. And that's slowing down to play with Legos.
1: That's a spiritual yeah. practice for you.
0: Telling me. Yeah. But So it's, it's focused on what's right there in front of me and I get to do it with my son. And yeah. that's, I think those things help me slow down and be intentional about the present moment. Yeah. yeah. Oh,
1: that's so good. I'm going to tell my seven friends to start playing with Legos.
0: Oh yeah, and then with like a cocktail next to you because you're gonna. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's hard. I mean, it it is really. I have to really focus. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, I just I don't know. I'm not good in silence. Yeah. So I don't know. Is that Um, because
1: the anxiety is there? Like.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. So so it's the it's the I want to move on to the next thing. My mind goes at 110 miles an hour Mm -hmm. all the time. Um. It's the fear of missing out. It's, yeah. uh, because I own, we, you know, two companies it's what am I missing on my email?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What client has called me that I need to respond to? Mm-hmm. Like, I wish I could just leave all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, it would be so much better, but like, I can't even folk like focus or relax on vacations. Cause it's like, what am I, what am I missing in work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, and I
1: think it. with sevens, the, the fear of missing out stems from, a desire to be satisfied. And if you are not satisfied in the moment, there might be something out there that might satisfy Mm -hmm. you. And so you have to go get as much of it as you can so that maybe you'll be satisfied. But, but what I've heard is some, there's something really satisfying about being in the present moment. You know, if you're eating a really good dinner and you're already thinking about dessert, you know, like maybe actually the dinner is actually really good if you could just be there.
0: Right. Right. So (laughs) I'll make two points and then we need to stop talking about me. It's all about you on this, but, um, I've, I have a fear of missing out too, when it comes to work, because that directly affects my life. Of course. If I I miss a client call and then that client gets upset and then they no longer work with us, I have lost my personal income, which provides the fun and and whatever for my family. Those are
1: needs. Those are legitimate needs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I have this really big insecurity and fear of, I have to respond right away. I have to be hyper responsive. And the thing with that is then people expect you to be hyper responsive. And when you're not, then, you know, then my insecurity kicks in even faster. And uh, then it's like, well, I didn't respond within an hour or five minutes usually. And now what? And it's this fear of um, Siri. Siri always gets activated. Um, Then it's a a bigger fear of like, well, now I'm not going to have what I need because I'm not going to have the money. and that's it's just a lie yeah. like that's how i think like yeah. we get attacked is, is those little lies um and then the other thing you said about mm. like the meal uh like when we're with like our, our best friends core group i i know the dates on the calendar coming we're all gonna go have dinner and drinks or whatever i purposely try not to think about that because i, I play it up in my head otherwise and i have this expectation mm. and mm-hmm. it's a classic thing i think a lot of people do but especially sevens as you build that idea up in your head then when you get there it doesn't live up to that idea and then right. in those moments you're like okay well what's next what can right. i build up again so i try not to think about those moments and then when i get there like i am all in and mm. i'm all into the drink that i'm having or the food that i'm uh partaking in or the conversation that i'm having and um and and we have like four couples or really three couples that are just we're super close with and we've all some of us have grown up together. I love them like they're my family. Probably love them too much. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm I'm a one-to-one seven. So yeah. like that's really important to me. Yeah. And um, so I've had to learn like when I'm with these people, like they get all of me.
2: Yeah.
0: And they don't realize they're getting all of me. And but I it, it I don't know, it just helps me be there present.
1: Yeah. Focus. What a great way to slow down and and really v- take in what mm-hmm. is all happening and, and give you some of that satisfaction that you are needing.
0: Yeah, that's true. Very true. So uh, first, thanks for like asking me all those questions. Cause you know, I actually like talking about myself too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, I want to know real quick. So I, I know with Crohn's, you have a, a good story. So I want to know a good, funny Crohn's story.
1: Okay. So it goes to my dating, uh, dating apps, right? Um, Guys always are like, hey, like, how's your day? And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's not a good day. Like, I am in pain. You know, like, that's what I want to say. But you're supposed to be flirty and happy and like, happy-go-lucky, whatever. So there Uh was one day. That I think it was talking to this guy named David, who was a science teacher. And that's like literally all that I know about him. And so David, the science teacher, is asking me like, hey, like, what are you up to today? Well, guess what, David, from science, I was up to going to get a stool test kit
2: um
1: and he he said that his kids were working on labs today what was I doing and I really 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 wanted to text him a picture of my stool kit in the restroom and be like me too (laughs) I didn't I played it nice and coy and I was like just being fabulous and like (laughs) <laughs> the conversation went zero places because sure. I was not being my authentic self. And part of me really kind of wishes that I, had <laughs> that I had because you know what, like if you can't handle that. Then you definitely can't handle yeah, me with right, me. So.
2: Right. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's like a day in the life, right. Of a mm-hmm. of, uh, Crohn's patient. Like you do so many stool tests, you get so many lab work, like, you know, like you're just like always running to the restroom. Like that's something oh, like that happens. And yeah. so like, You know, like I just there's something that's really freeing about being honest with people. And if it's TMI for them, then it's TMI. Like someday I'm going to this is one of my goals. I really want to have a um a stand up routine that's called hashtag TMI. And I just wanna talk about all of my doctor stories and my Crohn stories. Oh
0: my gosh, do it. I will be there. I have so many. (laughs) The gritty
1: details, you know. Yes. Well, there was another time when I was in the ER and Matt, Matt was texting me. And Matt wanted to know how my Saturday was going. And so this is I posted this on my Crohn's Twitter instead of texting it to him, but I took a picture of my IV in the emergency room. And um and I really and I was on morphine at the time. And so I really wanted to be like riding the morphine high today, Matt. How about you? <laughs> I didn't. I said I was working on my thesis. Cause Aww. I didn't want to scare you. You just gotta away. start
0: doing it. I just... gotta
1: start it, right? Yeah. So I mean, dating in the quarantine life is kind of non existent. So I'm kind of on hiatus, right. which is fine. But um yeah, maybe maybe that's maybe I just need to be work on being my authentic self and not worry about if people are gonna want me or not. Right. And just be my authentic self. Like, you know what? I'm riding the morphine, high, Matt. That's just like how my day's going. How's that, yours? That
0: is my day today. That's right i uh John and Karen debrock uh one time we were at dinner and we talking about poop and um which they have good stories too about that mm-hmm. um anyway, I didn't mean to throw them under the bus. I'll edit that <laughs> part out uh so I'm you know I know where all the really good bathrooms are in St Louis, oh yeah, and where not only just a good bathroom but there's like a scale that I have it's um. Good bathroom that's quiet, that's clean with good toilet paper, good background music, and a good cell phone service and or free Wi-Fi. Yeah. I know it all. Yeah. I was like, I need to just build an app or a website of where to poop in St. Louis.
1: I need it. I need um, that app.
0: So I bought the URL, um, poopinginpublic.com. Oh my gosh. And was starting to build a website. And then I just got busy with like, you know, legit work. And then I realized like this is it was a very daunting you know, thing project, but I thought like, you know, people could advertise on there. And so, you know, you say, Hey, come to our place to poop. And then here's a 10% off coupon for whatever. Right. I thought that would be really cool. <laughs> uh, and anyway, I eventually was like, I'm just going to try to auction off. I used to buy like those URLs and just to auction off. And I actually sold pooping in is my highest sale URL because it's some weird thing fetish of, you know whatever but yeah so i sold pooping in public isn't that weird but like i still want to do a, like an app of
2: yeah where for to poop sure.
1: it's grocery stores for me like deerberg's or schnooks the 24 hour grocery stores because they're always open they're and right. it's better than a gas station
0: oh yeah 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 i know
1: and then you can do your groceries afterwards
0: Uh, have you ever had to, while you're grocery shopping, like just keep the card in an aisle and yeah. Yeah, me too. yeah, me too.
1: Yeah. Had to do that. I've had to leave dates waiting for like a long time. A long time. Um, yeah, there was one time I left a wedding date and I just went and laid on the floor cause my stomach hurts so bad in the yeah. bathroom. There's no shame when I'm in pain. I will
2: yeah, well, all lay, that
1: lay anywhere. Uh
0: huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah. 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 I have not actually pooped my pants in public though.
0: So you're missing out.
1: I probably am. I need to, if that I, happens, it'll be a good story, but.
0: Um, I this have this a point, lot of those. That. I have a lot of those stories. Where
1: was the worst one?
0: The Schnooks parking lot in Ladue.
1: Oh, I go, I went to that Schnucks all the time. I now called
0: Le, the Schnucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Okay. So on your app. You're gonna make poop puns for all of the places. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and it'll be like a secret language between cronies, like.
0: Yeah, there you go. It's... Hey,
1: like, where you, you know, like, oh yeah, I was at the Ladudu, and we're like, Lodudu. oh yeah, yep. yeah, we know yeah. where that is. <laughs>
0: that that was the worst one. Um, the the most embarrassing time is when I was 17 playing baseball, Ooh. summer ball, um just you know you're stuck outside and it was like 104 degrees on a fourth of july tournament first inning so i had to play all nine innings
1: first inning
0: and everybody knew it
1: oh that's awful
0: (laughs) i I laughed i laughed but then uh karen was like you're laughing because it's really sad
1: right (laughs) well like that's the type of stuff like so i don't act anymore you know i i direct Mm -hmm. um but there are certain things like i i almost auditioned for a show here in st louis and i was like i get um, like my, I am more likely to have to run off stage because it's the stress and the nerves and stuff like that. Like, what if I'm in the middle of a scene and I have to run yeah. off stage because I'm going to go diarrhea? Oh, yeah. Like, so I, I can't, like, I'm too afraid now, not because I'm, insecure about my acting abilities, but because I'm afraid that I'll need a standby person in case I have to go diarrhea in the middle of a mm-hmm. play. Mm-hmm. And so like I have to take jobs. Like somebody asked me to be a stage manager one time for a show. And I was like, I can't take that because the stage manager has to be there the entire play right.
2: running right. the cues
1: and calling stuff. And if you're not there, like, you know, I, although it does get me out of jury duty, I have um, gotten out of jury duty successfully twice. Because, because I said them, I oh. cannot guarantee that I will be able to sit through an entire court case proceeding without having to run to the restroom. And they're like, okay.
0: <laughs> Can't argue with that, right? Can't it's like, a real thing. It's a real thing. Uh, <laughs> that's awesome. Mine, you know, I play guitar for church and there's literally right before I go on stage, I'm like, God, please do not <sighs> let anything happen. Because it would be, it would be like, just drop the guitar and
2: yeah, just go. No.
1: I guess. know, I know. The best, one of the best things, I'll leave you with this. Okay. One of the best things that somebody could say to me is you're always welcome to poop at my house.
0: Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. That hit my heart. So like, it's acceptance. That's just true. Yeah. You've accepted me and my weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
1: That like, they're not going to question if you're gone for 20 minutes. They're not going to question it. It's just, you're always welcome to poop at my house. I will be like, I know you are a true friend. Yeah. If you say that to me. So
0: that's, that is a beautiful, I mean, I'm serious. Like that, that was a beautiful way to end this. Awesome. (laughs) Like the interview was everywhere and I love it. Um, (laughs) But yeah, that's a true friend. I hope that my friends listen to this and I get text messages saying, you are always welcome to poop in my house. And I will, I'll screenshot all those and send them to you. Perfect. Hey, thanks. Where can people find you? Cause you are a wealth of knowledge, um, especially yeah. with, uh, you know, the arts and Enneagram and your Twitter account for your Crohn's. Yeah. Where can, thank you. Where can find you?
1: Um, yeah. So my website for Enneagram stuff is Com because I don't just coach Enneagram. I also coach acting and improv. Um, so you can also find me on LinkedIn, Ma- uh, connect with me on LinkedIn. I almost had match with me on LinkedIn. <laughs> You can match with me on LinkedIn too. I will accept date proposals on LinkedIn. Uh, but um, yeah, LinkedIn, Elizabeth Worm with an S, Elizabeth Worm. Um, LinkedIn or not just anyacoach.com that will also give you my email. So um, those are probably the two best ways to connect with me.
0: Perfect. Thanks so much for your time.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, then.